76, hymn number 76, we'll stand and sing, O great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Let's lift our voices tonight as we sing verses 1, 2, and 3, hymn number 76. On that first verse, O great God of highest heaven, Occupy my lowly heart Own it all and reign supreme Conquer every rebel power Let no vice nor sin remain That resist your holy war You have loved and purchased me Make me yours forevermore I was blinded by my sin, had no ears to hear your voice, did not know your love within, had no taste for heaven's joy. Then your spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me, through the gospel of your Son, Gave me endless hope and peace. Help me now to live a life that's dependent on your grace. Keep my heart and guard my soul from the evils that I face. You are worthy to be praised with my every thought and deed. Great God of highest heaven, glorify your name through me. Thank you. Just before we uh, sing our next song for this evening, I want to take just a moment. Many of you have been asking about uh, Debbie Toman, and I just want to give a, a quick prayer request and update to you. Um, Friday, many of you know, she, uh, Pastor Toman took her to the hospital. She was experiencing severe pain in her back, and uh, he took her to McLaren Hospital. She spent the weekend there, was discharged yesterday, and they've run different tests, and they're getting those results back. They've been meeting with doctors. Um, the doctor, the specialist that they've been meeting with is optimistic, um, but they are still getting information. So... Um, Debbie said today for me to, to tell you that she covets your prayers and is very, very thankful for you all as a church family. Um, uh, the children are unaware of this, these sort of things uh, that are happening, so they have not had that conversation with them. So just be aware. Um, it is a positive thing, I think, but yet a trying thing as well as they're getting the information about the cancer um, that's in her body and of course you know that she already has Lyme disease as well so um, even tonight you as we learn about prayer we can apply these things as we intercede for the Toman family so I, I did want to take some time and just mention it tonight not trying to hijack the service but many of you have been asking about them so uh, be in prayer for them why don't we pray now and then we'll sing our next hymn Dear Heavenly Father thank you so much for your love for us I pray that you'll bless us tonight as we gather around your word. Lord, I pray for the Tomans right now. I thank you for them, both Kevin and Debbie. Thank you for their ministry. I thank you for their children. Um, Lord, I pray for Debbie especially. You just uh, hold her close, uh, care for her. Lord, I pray for both Pastor and Mrs. Toman that you would guide their steps uh, as they meet with these specialists and have tests done. Um, Lord, I pray above all that they trust you uh, and hope in you, and that their faith in you would increase. And Lord, I pray that you would use some of these doctors to be a help to them, uh, that she might be delivered from this cancer. Lord, I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn number 13, and then we'll sing Bow the Knee. It's kind of our conference song, and uh, I've been doing a great job with a powerful message. What a privilege to come into God's presence Just to linger with the one who set me free As I lift my eyes and see his awesome glory 
I remember who he is and bow the knee. Bow the knee, bow the knee. He is king of all the ages, bow the knee. God alone on his throne. See him high and lifted up and bow the knee. the power of creation. With his voice he spoke and all things came to be. Yet he hears each simple prayer I bring before him. When I humbly seek his face and bow the knee. King of all the ages, bow the knee. God alone on his throne. See him high and lifted up and bow the knee. Kneel before him, all adore him. As you live to love him more, bow the knee. Thank you. You may be seated. In just a couple of moments after we pray, you're each going to receive a copy of a little pamphlet entitled, How George Mueller Practiced Communion with God. And when you get this little pamphlet, you'll notice that it begins with this statement in the words of Mr. Mueller himself, it has pleased the Lord to teach me a truth, the benefit of which I have not lost for more than 14 years. The point is this, I saw more clearly than ever that the first and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. Men and women, teenagers, boys and girls, there is nothing that will impact your day quite like connecting and communicating with your God. And that's why we've been talking in these little mini messages each evening about our walk with God. And once again tonight, I want to give you just a couple of thoughts. I won't be long, but I want to share with you several benefits and blessings that you will experience as you learn how to walk with God and you make it an important part of your life. Number one, walking with God determines your direction in life. It's very important when we walk with God to understand that we're not going to get ahead of God and be impulsive and impatient. When we walk with God, we don't want to lag behind and become lazy and lethargic. And when we walk with God, we don't want to go wandering off, becoming distracted and disturbed. Walking with God keeps us right in step with Him. I used to have a sign that sat on my desk that said, the man who walks with God always gets to his destination. I kept it there until one of my brothers needed it more than I did, and I gave it to him as a gift. And just a reminder, walking with God determines where you go in life. Secondly, walking with God determines your devotion in life. Devotion is what you love. You know, there are many of us who through the years have had devotions. We read the assigned passage for the day and then we put a check mark in the box. Or we read the little devotional book, whether for children or teenagers, excuse me, teenagers or 
some other sort of a devotional resource. And at times we felt like we were doing what we were supposed to do. But may I remind you that when you begin to walk with God, it's not about devotions, it's about devotion. It's experiencing a love for God that draws you to Him in such a way that you no longer can even function without Him. Number three, walking with God determines your dedication in life. Your dedication is how you live. And when you are living every day dedicated to God, doing what He wants you to do, wow, life is really good. The pastor and I were talking the other day and I shared with him that a while back, God brought me to a point where I needed to learn a, a very important lesson. And that lesson is that if I am doing what God wants me to do, when and where He wants it done, I can be very satisfied. I'm dedicated to His will. And I know His will, I experience His will as I walk with Him. Men and women, the man who walks with God, the woman who walks with God, will always get to their destination. I have people come to me occasionally. Brother Palmer, what do you think I ought to do? Trying to make a decision about this job, or I'm trying to discern whether I should go to college or not, or I'm, I'm thinking about buying a house or a new vehicle, or what do you think I ought to do? My answer is always the same. Just walk with God. Folks, as we've done each evening at this point in our service, we're going to take just a moment or two to talk to the Lord in response even to this simple little lesson tonight. Could I challenge you in your moment or two of prayer this evening, whether you pray by yourself or whether you pray with another person, could I challenge you to ask God to keep you right in step with Him? If you do, you'll be exactly where God wants you to be, doing exactly what God wants you to do. Let's go to prayer for a couple of moments and let's talk to the Lord and then I'll conclude our prayer time in just a moment. Lord, in your word, you've taught us that when we in all our ways acknowledge you, you will direct our paths. Nothing worse in life 
than when we end up parked somewhere on a dead-end street, as it were, with no sense of direction, not sure of where we're going, not sure what we're doing, not sure what we're living for. Oh God, I pray that tonight we as your people will be committed to a walk with God that keeps us close and right in step with the Lord and His will for our lives every day. Will you please teach us that and will you please do and accomplish that good work, I pray, and we'll thank you for it now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If I can get a couple of you guys to help me again, we'll give out these little pamphlets. And again, I think we've got enough that everybody, including the children, can have one. And I think it'll be a blessing and a help to you. At this time, we're going to be... uh giving as a church again i want to remind you as the offering plates go by everything that's given um, throughout this week uh, really sunday evening monday tuesday and wednesday will all go to evangelist tom palmer and his wife and their ministry as i encouraged you yesterday give out of a heart of love give as you're led by the holy spirit of god and uh, give as unto the lord and god will bless so at this time, as the ushers, they're wrapping up, they're passing out some things. But uh, as the pianist plays and the offering plate comes by, you give as unto the Lord, and, uh, and the Palmers will have exactly what they need. Let's pray. We should pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for how you provide for us. Um, thank you for Evangelist Palmer and his ministry to us already uh, on prayer and even this evening already and with uh, on walking with the lord Uh, father i pray that that would be the case in our lives as members of trinity baptist church help us lord to walk with you each day and father our hearts so so long to be uh to arrive at the destination that you have for us and we know how to get there by walking with you so lord as we give tonight uh may you be pleased with how we give and the hearts from which we give Uh, from. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.
number 513. 513. Speak, O Lord. Last night we sang the first verse. Tonight we'll sing the second verse and then Brother Palmer will come. 513. Last night we asked him to speak to us. Tonight we're going to ask him to teach us on that second verse. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majesty love and authority, words of power that can never fail, let the truth prevail over unbelief. Thank you. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and will you open them with me, please, to the book of Psalms. And we're going to be turning tonight to Psalms chapter 5. And so you turn there if you would please with me. I am grateful tonight that as I look out over the audience, I see a bunch of kids in the service. Boys and girls, look up here and smile big and wave at me, all right? Some of you aren't looking, some of you aren't waving. All right, good, good. There's even some big kids got in on this, that's all right. Boys and girls, I want you to know that tonight my message is a message that I'm teaching to the kids. Hopefully the adults will get something out of it. But in all sincerity, tonight will be basically a very simple, practical lesson on developing your personal prayer life. Interestingly enough, the material that I'm going to share with you tonight, originally I developed when I was a youth pastor. And it was the material that I taught to my teenagers many years ago as we, see, as we sought to help our young people learn how to pray. Well, in all sincerity, the message tonight is going to be 15 hints and helps to make your prayer life better. And I think it'll be something that the children, the teenagers, and maybe even the adults will be benefited from as we go through it together. We're in Psalm chapter 5, and really, I'm just going to use this kind of as a passage of Scripture to set the focus of the evening, and then we'll move ahead. David begins, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. My King and my God For unto thee will I pray. Verse 3, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Could I give you a neat idea? Some of you are good with the computer. Some of you kids are really good with magic markers or colored pencils or maybe you're just good at writing or drawing. I think it would be a wonderful thing tonight if each of us, in whatever way we chose to do it, was to make our own sign. And on it, put the words of verse number 2, Unto thee will I pray. And then find a good place. Put it up somewhere in your home. 
in your room, in your office. Put it wherever you will see it as a constant reminder of the need to talk to God. Anywhere, anytime, about anything. Let's ask the Lord now to speak to us. And then we're going to jump into what will be just a very practical lesson tonight about our prayer time. Father, help me now as I teach. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a help to the folks here this evening. And I pray that that will be accomplished and that as a result, each one of us will not just learn new information, but will glean insights that we'll be able to program into our daily prayer life. That as a result, we may be the people of prayer that you desire us to be. Have your way now, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years back, my wife and I were in a week of revival meetings in New Jersey. And the pastor scheduled... Every day throughout the week, a prayer meeting that would meet in the auditorium at 11 o'clock in the morning, and then we were going to pray till noon and then go to lunch, whoever was able to come. Well, I remember on Monday morning, we gathered in the front of the auditorium. We had set up a, a circle of chairs, and a good number of folks actually came that first day to pray, and we had a wonderful time of prayer but interestingly enough, in our prayer group that morning was a little guy about four years of age. Grandma had come to the prayer meeting, and so he just came with her, and she parked him there on a chair, and bless his heart, that little guy sat there for an hour while this prayer meeting went on. I talked to him when we were done, and I commended him for his good behavior. And then I said, now listen, are you planning on coming tomorrow with Grandma? And he told me that he would be there. And I said, tell you what, when we're ready to pray tomorrow, you and I will slip out and have our own prayer time. How would that be? Well, this little guy thought that was a pretty cool idea. And so sure enough, Tuesday, he comes with Grandma, and I kind of caught his eye, gave him a grin, and we were in. Got ready for prayer, and I kind of signaled him. And as the adults started to pray, we went to the back, and out in the foyer, there was a, a couch. And we went over, and we sat down, and wanting to kind of make conversation, I said to him, do you know anything about prayer? And immediately he just spoke up and he said, I know two things. I said, well, what two things do you know? He said, fold your hands, close your eyes, and don't fiddle. <laughs> now, he didn't do real well counting because his two was actually three, but we're not going to worry about that. But I was quite impressed that he already had a, a rather unique, childish, yes, but unique perspective on prayer. And so I said to him, how about if we pray? Took a moment, we talked about some things we could pray about, and then he and I got down on our knees beside this couch there in the foyer, and we started to pray. Folks, I loved it. You know why I loved it? Because there's something really special when kids pray. Because they just talk to God. We as adults, we always kind of grin when one of the children prays for the puppy's paw or the kitty's tail. You know what I'm talking about. We always act like, oh, that's so childish. But you know what I've discovered? When a child talks to God about the puppy's paw or the kitty's tail, 
and it gets better, that says to a child, God cares about the things that he or she cares about. God's interested in what the child is interested in. And you know what? If they can get a hold of that when they're this big, it'll make a whole lot of difference when they get to be a lot bigger. We were in meetings about three weeks ago, and I guess my wife in the children's meeting informed the children that uh, our rabbits back home were having babies. And every night at 6.30, we would meet for prayer, the men in one room, the ladies in another room. And it fascinated me how many nights that week in the pre-service revival prayer meeting with the men of the church, it seemed like one of the boys always had to pray for Mrs. Palmer's rabbits that their babies would be healthy. Folks, maybe tonight there's something we need to understand about prayer. And it's this. In its most basic form, prayer is just talking to God. I've been in services or meetings where brother so-and-so is asked to open the service in prayer, and brother, whoever he may be, stands up, folds his hands, throws his shoulders back, takes a great big deep breath and tilts his head back and says, Dear God. And right about then I go, Oh, great. And then he starts in. Thou who sittest upon the throne of the universe, ruling in all of the affairs of mankind. I'm like, oh, brother. <laughs> and then he starts into his list of the ten great attributes of God. Thou who art holy, righteous, sovereign, merciful, faith. And I'm thinking, buddy. You say, why? Can I tell you why? Because as even brother, whoever he may be, is waxing eloquent in his efforts to open the service in prayer, you've got kids like all these children sitting there going, if that's what prayer is, I'll never do it. You've got teenagers sitting in that service going, I could never be that eloquent talking to God. You've got new believers who are just learning about prayer who are saying, oh, I'm not even going to try. Folks, prayer is just talking to God. That being said, tonight, I want to teach you about talking to God. And I've got a list of 15 things, by the way, if you're interested in a printed copy, they are in the school of prayer. But nonetheless, maybe you want to just write them down and kind of listen as we go. But I want to give you 15 hints and helps that will enable you to do a really good job talking to God. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one, Learn from Scripture the conditions and hindrances. Now, you understand what it's like, kids, when you get a new game. One of the first things you have to do after you open the box is take out that piece of paper that has on it the rules of the game. You're going to have to know how many pieces each person gets and how many points you get for doing certain things and ultimately what you're going to have to do to hopefully win the game. And so you understand that it's important to play by the rules. Can I say that in the same way we must learn to pray by the rules. 
It's an interesting Bible study. In fact, it would be very profitable maybe for a family devotional study. Maybe a Sunday school class could do a study on the conditions, the things you have to do, and the hindrances, the things that you can't do if you're going to effectively talk to God. In so doing, you will learn how to pray by the rules. The Bible's very explicit. The Bible's very clear that there are certain things that must be taken care of if we're going to effectively talk to God. Number two, choose the best time. Now, if you were paying attention when we read in Psalm chapter 5 tonight, what time of the day did David mention in Psalm chapter 5? In the morning. Now, I'm aware of the fact that later on in Psalm 55, he would say, evening and morning and at noon will I pray. And we already talked about Daniel this week, who likewise, three times a day, determined to spend time with God in prayer. Here's the point. Choose the best time for you. But in so doing, make sure that it's a time where you will be undistracted. Do you understand what I'm saying? Prayer does take concentration. Prayer takes a mental focus. Choose the best time. You know how most of us handle prayer time? With good intentions. We really do. I used to do a thing with teenagers where I would describe to them a day in the life of Joe Christian, we called him. Joe sat through a session much like this one tonight and decided that tomorrow morning he's going to set his alarm 15 minutes earlier so that he can get up 15 minutes earlier and spend some time in prayer. Unfortunately, however... When he finally does get up, he's punched the snooze button seven times, and instead of 15 minutes early, he's 15 minutes late. And basically, the rest of the day turns into just a comedy of errors. I simply mean that his intention, well, maybe at lunchtime, doesn't work because suddenly at lunchtime it dawned on him that he has an Algebra 7 quiz right after lunch and he better study. Sorry, Lord, I'll do it when I get home from school. Then Joe gets home from school and walks in and there's a note on the counter from Mom. Dear Joe, please mow the yard, wash the car, and paint the house and I'll see you at supper. Joe goes, Lord, honest, I was going to try to have a, a time of prayer, but I got some chores to do. But right after supper, I promise. The only problem is, Joe forgot that after supper, Grandpa, who's staying with the family, watches the evening news, and Grandpa doesn't have a hearing aid that works, and so Grandpa has to turn the news really, really loud. Sorry, Lord, I'll, I'll try a little bit later. Uh, maybe when I get my homework done. Joe gets his homework all done by 8 o'clock and then discovers that tonight is the two-hour special with Mr. Rogers and his neighborhood. Oh, Lord, I just love the trolley. 
And so I, I, I just, well, I'll do it before I go to bed. And then finally, Joe is just about ready for bed. And, oh, Lord, I, I, well, I guess I could say my prayers and before bed. And the next thing you know, it's like, dear Lord, I was, and it's done. Now, folks, we're sitting here tonight kind of laughing about that, aren't we? And yet, for how many of us was today just like what I just described? You know what I've learned? Make an appointment. Choose the time that for you works the best. Number three, choose an appropriate place. I find this interesting. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was teaching on prayer, and he said this, and when you pray, enter into your closet. Now, boys and girls, I realize that for some of us, that would be a hard hat zone. And maybe not exactly the easiest place to get into. Which leads me to say, I'm not sure if Jesus meant it literally or figuratively, but I do know this, when he said, enter into your closet, he was talking about a place where you would be alone and undisturbed, uninterrupted. I met a man in a church years ago who told me that he had gone up in the attic of his house. He framed in the corner of the attic and he designated as that as his place to meet with God. His family knew, dad's in the attic, don't interrupt. We were with another family in Tennessee and their, their home had behind it some uh, woodland and a, and a big field and this brother took me out behind the garage he said I want to show you what I did and out behind the garage he had made a, a beautiful little area where he put a bench and he put down some pavers and he had planted some flowers and he made this beautiful place and basically it was so that members of his family could go out and just be alone with God I met another man who owned an orchard. He told me that he hung a swing in one of the trees out in the orchard. And that was his place. Folks, it doesn't matter what your place is specifically as long as it is your place. And it's the place that you go to meet with God. Number four, select a notebook. You don't know me well. I'm still just kind of getting acquainted around here. But let me tell you that my life is lived out of notebooks. And I'll tell you why. I have found that notebooks bring order to the chaos. And I like a notebook as a way to organize things that are important to me. I like the idea of having a notebook where I can keep my Bible study notes. I can write my journal. I can keep my prayer lists. In other words, when I get ready to spend time with God, I don't have to be scrambling all over trying to find everything because I know exactly where it is. That leads me to the fifth point, and it's this. Make your prayer lists. You know what would be a great thing for our prayer lives? Stop at the dollar store on the way home tonight and buy everybody one of those little spiral tablets or notebooks. And begin to use that 
for your prayer lists. Now, can I tell you what we did with our children when they were very young? They had prayer notebooks and they had prayer lists, but since they couldn't read, we used pictures. Mom and dad, I'll give you a great idea. Particularly if you have young'uns in the home, it would be a great project to help each of your children make a prayer list. And then put that into a prayer notebook. Even if they can't read, use pictures. And allow those pictures to be there in such a way that even the youngest of children can have a prayer time, go to their prayer place, and open that little book and just page through, looking at pictures of their family, looking at a picture of their church, looking at a picture of our president, looking at a picture of missionaries, looking at pictures of our nation. You know what's amazing? Even the youngest of children can begin to develop a prayer life. Now, as they get older, and they can begin to write, and then they prepare lists, let's say, of unsaved people. A list of our political and governmental officials lists of our missionaries, lists of the people in their classroom or on their ball team, lists of the members of their Sunday school class. All I'm saying is this, prayer lists in a prayer notebook are very, very helpful. By the way, here's one other reason why, because it takes away that tendency to get overwhelmed. I like to assign topics to different days. So that I don't necessarily pray for everything every day. But at least once a week, I'm going to pray through my missionary list and my list of unsaved people and my list of families that we're concerned for. And by assigning them to days, it helps me maintain that structure. Number six, spend time in prayer with another person. Now, Let's get right down to where we're living. What does that mean? Husbands and wives, on a daily basis, you ought to pray together. What does that mean, parents? That means that daily you and your children should pray together. And by the way, I'm not just talking about the prayer we pray before the meal three times a day. No, I'm talking about that time when you sit down with the kids and you say, what do we need to talk to God about today? And we discuss current and even urgent needs. And then we give the children a chance to pray and then we pray. Maybe some of you men want to pick another brother and Determine that one morning a week early, you'll meet somewhere on the way to work for a cup of coffee and a season of prayer. Maybe it means that a couple of you ladies want to determine that one morning a week, you'll get together in person. And if you can't do that, you'll get together over the phone and pray together. Folks, I'm convinced that one of the greatest things in the body of Christ is when we're praying not only for each other, but praying with each other. Very, very important. Number seven, set reasonable goals in time. I was probably in, if I remember correctly, fifth grade. The night that I went to my bedroom to see how long I could pray. So I shut the door, I took the clock and turned it around so it was facing the wall. 
I got down on my knees next to the bed and I'm telling you, I cut it loose in prayer and prayed for everyone and everything I could think of. Every missionary, every family member, every sick person, every unsaved person, every person in our government. I mean, I just went on and on and on and on and covered it all and finally got to the point, believe it or not, there was nothing left to pray for. And I thought to myself, wow, this is incredible. I can't wait to see how long I prayed. And so I got up and I walked over to the clock and I turned it around. I prayed for seven minutes. And I was so discouraged and so defeated because I thought I had done so much and only seven minutes. Now here's the point. Seven minutes was longer than I'd ever prayed before. But my problem was I'd been a little bit extreme in my goal. Can I tell you that as a teenager, I grew up in a youth group where the goal in our youth ministry was for every teenager to spend five minutes a day in the Word of God and five minutes a day in prayer. You say, well, that's not much. To be honest with you, it isn't much. But I can tell you that in my life, until I graduated from high school, there was rarely a day that I missed my five and five. And even though it didn't seem like much, do you know what I was doing? Developing a habit. You know what became very interesting to me? I graduated from high school and went to Bible college and was informed that on the hallway in the dorm was a, an unoccupied dorm room that had been designated as the prayer room. Do you know what started to happen? I found myself coming back to the dorm at different times of the day, kind of finished with classes and other things. And I found myself being drawn to that prayer room. And I would go into that prayer room and you know what I discovered? Five minutes was no longer enough. And it started to be 10 and sometimes 15 and sometimes 20. You say, well, the only reason you did that as a teenager was so you could check seven days a week. Wait a minute. I understand what you're saying. But the accountability helped me take responsibility. And I developed a habit. And as I began to grow and mature in the Lord... No, there was no score sheet in the youth ministry. Now it was I want to, I need to. And my prayer life began to grow. Can I say, please do not go away from tonight saying, that settles it. Starting tomorrow, Lord, every day I will begin the day with one hour of prayer. You know what? You may do it on Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Ah. But you know what? It probably won't be long till something else will happen or you'll oversleep or Hey, listen. I would rather that every boy and girl, every teenager and even adults if you're not doing it made a commitment to begin giving five minutes a day more to God in prayer than you've ever done. For some of us, that may be just plain old five. For others, it may be adding five to what we typically do. But in that way, we grow our prayer time. Number eight, pray out loud. Now, maybe it's just me. But you know what I've discovered? Praying out loud really helps me concentrate. 
When we're at home, we live on what's called Penn's Creek Road. It's rural countryside. Spring Mills, our town, is just a little place without a traffic light, without a gas station, without a restaurant, nothing. We live four miles out in the suburbs. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can go out on Penn's Creek Road in the morning early and I can walk for an hour and sometimes hardly ever see any type of a vehicle and not another person. I love to go out and walk and talk with God. I always say that my walk is my time to think, to meditate, and to pray. That's why it's very important to me. But I love to just talk out loud. Maybe it's just me, but I'm one of these guys that if I get down on my knees and bury my face in my hands on a pillow on the couch, I'll end up resting in the Lord more than talking to the Lord. Talk to him like he's, yeah, like he's right there. That's the whole point. Number nine, record your answers. Folks, this is where the notebook becomes a real asset to your prayer time. Because you not only record requests, you record answers. Can I say that one of the great failures of most Christians in the matter of prayer, I believe, is in focusing on answers. We're kind of the gimme, gimme type people most of the time. But answers are an incredible way of making God real. That's why I like to not only have requests, but answers. Maybe a date. Maybe a note. I remember one year, I had over 300 written answers to prayer. Do you know what that did for me? That kept me focused on the goodness of God, but it always also encouraged me to pray more. So make sure that we don't neglect our answers. Number 10, pray through hymns and scripture. Here's what I'm talking about. I think it's a wonderful thing to bring a songbook and your Bible to your prayer time. I think it's a great way to begin your prayer time with a time of worship where you just pick a song and sing a verse or read a couple verses or if you're musically capable, play a couple verses on the piano and sing them. But use music to prepare your heart to pray. Then I think scripture is a great asset to your prayer life. There are some marvelous scriptural prayers. For example, I'll give you two, all right? Psalm 51. It's David's prayer, yes, after his sin, but it's a prayer for revival, personal revival. You can take Psalm 51 in which David uses I, me, and my through the the entire psalm and just pray it as your own prayer. Create in me a clean heart. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You just work your way through it. It's beautiful. Let me give you another great scriptural prayer. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. Paul gives a prayer list that he prayed for the Colossian believers. That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, that you might be strengthened with all might by his glorious spirit. It's a marvelous prayer to pray for yourself, to pray for your spouse, to pray for a friend. Use your songbook, use your Bible in your praying. Number 11, pray specifically. I'll just put it to you this way. 
Specific requests get specific answers. This shotgun praying, as we sometimes call it, where we just kind of take general aim and hope we hit, you know what I'm talking about, Lord, bless all of our missionaries tonight. Save all the people that are unsaved and heal all the sick. Amen. What are we doing? We're praying in generalities and then we wonder why it's hard to pinpoint what God is doing. Pray specifically. Number 12, attend regularly scheduled prayer meetings. Folks, I am convinced that the prayer meeting ought to be one of the highlights on any church calendar. It's interesting. I know your pastors had this happen. I've had it happen. Occasionally we end up at preachers' meetings. And you know, preachers are really funny guys because they try and figure each other out when they get acquainted. And so, typically, we shake hands. Hi, what's your name? My name is. Where are you from? We say the name of our church, the name of our town. And then, one of the famous feel-em-out questions is, so how many do you run on Sunday morning? I'm telling you, it happens. Happens all the time. But you know what I've concluded? And don't, don't misunderstand me. Listen to me very closely. How many this church runs on Sunday morning has very little to do with the spiritual condition this church is in. In fact, to be flat honest with you, there's more phony, baloney, game-playing, hypocritical Christianity from 10.30 to 12 on Sunday morning than any other time in the week because we have that Sunday morning Christian crowd that shows up and gives God an hour and gives God a dollar and they're gone. You want to find out the spiritual condition of a church? See how many they run in their prayer meetings. Say, oh, that God would revive our prayer meetings. And let them be prayer meetings. Make sure you're there. Number 13, develop a prayer reaction. I taught on this Sunday morning in Sunday school. Peter's prayer, Lord, save me. Very, very short, very, very simple, but very sincere. It was his response in prayer. Learn to respond to life in prayer. Number 14, plan a day or plan an extended time of prayer. Last night, we gave out those quiet hour prayer guides. Folks, there are four more of them on our ministry website. The Holy Hour, the Sacred Hour, uh, the Worship Hour, and uh, the Secret Hour, I believe it, unless I already said that. There are five of those all together. And maybe it would do you well to just, from time to time, Give God a little extra. I remember a couple years ago, one of our ladies' prayer encounters. It was a beautiful uh, Saturday morning in April, very pleasant spring morning, and we had gone into our uh, sweet hour of prayer, basically, and the ladies had just scattered out all over this beautiful camp property. Some were on benches, some were just walking, others were sitting in the grass, uh, others were just enjoying the beauty as they gave this hour to God. And I can remember that the time began to come to a close and the next event on the schedule was lunch. And so I was standing on the steps of the dining facility and ladies started making their way in. And there were ladies that morning who walked up on the steps onto the porch of the dining hall, still with tears running down their face, saying, I've never experienced anything like an hour alone with God. Can I tell you, I had mixed emotions. 
There was a side of me that said, that's wonderful. That's super. Thank the Lord. But can I tell you, I was also a bit saddened. Can you imagine being saved and knowing the Lord for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life and having never given one hour to God? Folks, there's a lot of blessing that comes from those times. I hope you'll follow through with that quiet hour. And finally, number 15, study the subject of prayer. I hope and pray that this prayer conference, as we've called it, has given you not only information, but inspiration. That you will be able to take things that have been taught or preached or put on the screen or given to you in a handout and you will take those and as we said on Sunday morning, you will internalize them. Put them to work in your life. Folks, always be a, a student of prayer. You've got the best teacher, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got the best textbook, that's the Word of God. And you've got the best classroom, life. Folks, tonight was a little bit of a different message, different lesson, let's say, than maybe some of the others. But I hope and pray that as you've sat and listened and you've taken notes... Maybe there have been some things that you've been able to grab a hold of and say, you know what? I can do that. That'll work for me. All right? Remember the sixth word in that list I gave you on Sunday morning? Mobilize. Put it into practice. And you will be the one that gets the benefit as you learn how to talk to God. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you tonight for this time of teaching. Lord, I thank you for each one who's here and I trust, I hope and pray that it's been helpful and that we'll be able to go away from here tonight with some wonderful ideas that will enable us to talk to God much more effectively. Please use it. May we follow through, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor?